Hello guys, Grand Risings, and to you today, we are going to be talking about and discussing, and again, I'm going to be bringing some of these short clippets and snippets of videos um, of different people that are way more well-studied than myself. Now, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I believe they can explain it in a better way, in more of a depth, um, and also in a way that will be more widely received than me talking about my experiences because I could believe after a while it could become kind of stale and then people will start to um, kind of turn their ears off and like oh my god you know they you'll be perceived as bitter or um, just get over it you know where that type of culture so I want to approach it more so from a clinical standpoint I will be um, chiming in you guys know I love to do that just to give a little bit of my um, to balance some of their advice and also some of my experiences which I've had a wide myriad range of experiences with different types of people not only great people but toxic people the reason that i am um kind of in this vein of uh, making sure that we're aware of this is because you want to be balanced you don't want to go out into the world thinking like everybody's good and give everybody the benefit of the doubt because some people you can't because they'll use the fact that you gave them the benefit of the doubt against you okay so we have to know about this and this is part of learning about human nature the more we learn about ourselves about our flaws about uh, learning about our own demons and dealing with our own, the good things about ourselves, the more that we can kind of see it within others, okay? We won't demonize it so much um, <laughs> in others if you see them doing something that you secretly do or if you see them doing something that you wish you can do but you can't because you have an image to uphold, you know what I mean? So um, hopefully this will help you, okay? And it's very interesting. Uh, we're taking more of a psychologist um, standpoint on this. We can all be amateur psychologists of, our, of ourselves and of our own lives. And if you guys are parents, even if it's pet parents or plant parents, you have to be a bit of a psychologist or if you're a boss yourself because you're dealing with people. So if you're in the, if you're in the nature of the game or the hustle or that's your job, even if you're an artist or a musician or an actor, if you're in the arts, if you're in any type of industry, you're going to be dealing with people. And then you have to also deal with yourself. You're a person, right? Okay, so you're, it's definitely in a, interesting and it's actually advantageous for us to learn about human nature. Not just the good side, but the dark side, okay? We have to know about these things. This way we can avoid pitfalls and hopefully you won't make the same mistakes or have to encounter some of the monsters that I've had to encounter, encounter within myself and others, okay? And if you do, if you ever do, hopefully you can have a little bit more knowledge and understanding. And hopefully it'll kind of help you kind of navigate a little bit more smoother than I have had, okay? So we're going to be coming. We're talking about rich copper clips today. Um, this is who I'm going to be bringing before you guys. We're going to talk about the four major signs someone envies you. The reason you need to understand envy, jealousy, what they call the seven deadly sins, is because a lot of people operate out of those. Everybody doesn't operate out of goodwill. I like, I like you. A lot of people uh, could be malicious, vicious, um, and they could be maliciously compliant with people who are being nasty towards you. I've had that as well with family and ex-friends and all sorts of weird people. So um, we need to, you need to be able to recognize when somebody really envies you and they can act like they support you, but there are some human nature, the laws of human nature. This is a, um, a book that is written by Robert Greene. He is excellent. You guys need to go check him out. Okay. And again, you can go on YouTube. A lot of people are saying like, um, like, oh, you know, you're letting the truth. I'm not bringing anything to the forefront that is not already on YouTube. Like at all, okay? So we're gonna go ahead and talk about this today. And let me go ahead and put this on for you guys. Again, this is coming from the um, channel Rich Cooper. 
a rich copper, sorry. And we're talking about the laws of human nature. Okay. Hopefully, uh, what's the name of come on? The four major signs of envy. Um, the first one is micro expressions, which is uh, known as dagger eyes. They're hard to spot because they only last for a few seconds. But I guarantee you, I mean, I'm a little bit older than most of you guys watching. I mean, if you're under me, under my age, anyway, I mean, I'm close to 47, 48 now. But you're going to find out, you know, when you look around in life that there's times where at certain events where you might have been doing something great. Maybe you had a success in your business. Somebody will look at you, you know, kind of like at the corner of their eyes and they, and they you know, they kind of glare at you. They have that, you know, that glint of like envy and like anger and like it's it's not easy to decipher until you've seen it. It's hard to explain um, until you've seen it and it's genuine. You're going to know what it is. Uh, but these micro ex but these micro expressions do pop up. So you have to be attentive to them. So that's the first sign. The second sign, which is a little more obvious, and this is one that this is the one that sent chills up my spine when I when I heard them you know describe it in the audio book. It's called poisonous praise. And what that is, is a disparaging comment cushioned as praise. For example, when you successfully finish a project, they'll comment on how much money you will make rather than praise your hard work completing the project. I'm going to say that again. Poisonous praise is a disparaging comment cushioned as praise. For example, when you successfully finish a project, they will comment about how much money you will make rather than praise your hard work. I can I can give you one example. Actually, I can give you several examples, and I'm going to tie them, you know, back a decade into my debt business because uh, between 2000 and like 2007 and 2010, for those three years, um, we probably got more awards in those three years in the business for hyper growth, for culture, for all for all. All kinds of business accolades. I mean, we were in Profit Magazine several times. Uh, I was featured on the front page of the Toronto Star. I mean, if you guys Google my uh, full name plus the Toronto Star, um, you know, you'll see the article. But, um, you know, the biggest newspaper in, in, in Canada featured me and my business on the front page. So word got out about, you know, the successes that I had had in the businesses. And the poisonous praise started to come frequent and often. And it, and it sounded a lot like, uh, oh yeah, you know, I can imagine how much money you must, you know, that you must be making. Not, oh really, you know, you've saved over a hundred million dollars worth of credit card debt, and you've gotten, you know, thousands of people out of debt and back on their financial feet, so they so they could avoid bankruptcy. And, you know, like the standard sort of praise that people that aren't envious of you would give. Instead, what they're giving you is, oh, you know, I can imagine how much money you must be making off this sort of thing, and how rich you must be now, and blah 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 sort of thing. Um, I also heard it. Recently, too, you know, if I was, um, for example, during during COVID, you know, for the last year, whenever somebody would ask, uh, you know, what I was doing at the bank or um, uh, there was another guy that ran like this uh, consulting firm that had tried to try to, you know, get into my business and do some work for us. And, you know, the standard lyrics were, oh, you know, COVID must really be driving your uh, business right up. And, you, you, you know, you guys must be making a ton of money. You know, the, remember the bankers said it a couple of times. There's a couple of different bankers that I had to deal with that were talking, you know, specifically about how much money you must be making rather than praising you for what you're actually doing to get people out of debt. That's the way that I've always looked at that business was we actually unfuck people's lives and get them out of debt in a fashion that's better and quicker 
than the conventional methods that are available to them. But the poisonous praise comes from those that envy you. So you have to be aware of that. Keep an eye open, you know, keep an ear open for it too. Um, backbiting. Envious people enjoy talking about the negative aspects of, so this is the third one. Backbiting is envious people that enjoy talking about the negative aspects of a person's character, whether it's real or imagined. Um, this is more of a female sort of centric behavior, but I see a lot of guys do this too. Um, it's kind of gossipy. And what they'll do is they'll go looking for anything that can support their narrative. You know, they want to try to discredit you. Um, you know, up, up towards the top when I opened this, you know, I was talking about how these people are so dangerous because they really seek to do you harm. They don't want to operate at your level. They want to bring you down to their level, right? So the backbiting is the third one. Let's talk about the last one, which is seesawing, which is the fourth sign of envy. And it's positive and negative uh, actions, meaning they're going to heap on praise, then harsh criticisms, then they're going to warm up you, you know, warm you up again, and then they're going to keep repeating the cycle. I think out of all of those, the most obvious one that you need to be aware of is poisonous praise. Oh, that's great. You must be making a ton of money. Oh, that's great. You know, when are you going to buy us all, you know, whatever sort of, you know, sort of thing. And you'll get this from people very, very close to you, maybe even family members, maybe even friends. Um, it's, you know, it's bizarre because it was, it was totally over my head for many, many years until it was defined as poisonous praise and how it's a disparaging comment. Uh, cushioned as praise when in fact it's it's really just like you know shitting on you in an under right now did you hear that now you this, i'm giving you guys different people's perspectives a lot of people say well um i've heard you know well, like he said the spirit uh poisonous praise i've also heard poisonous uh you know put downs okay i'm gonna coin that term poisonous put downs thousands of times where they're like you well if you know so much why aren't you rich Right. They just because it depends like he's getting poisonous praise because he has, you know, uh, uh, what they consider, you know, financial uh, freedom and uh, finances. You know, people, they value finances. They value finances. They value looks like your aesthetics. Right. It's human nature. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with it. Um, they value like successful careers and you have the money and all this type of stuff. So he probably has to, he gets poisonous praise because he's higher up on the social rank. But when you're dealing with like a single mom, you're African-American, ethnic, whatever like that, most people, even our own men, feel the need to kind of like put us down or put us in our place all the time, right? Like, you know, you shouldn't be ambitious, you know, focus on this and that. Okay, so I've heard poisonous put-downs where the people will say, well, you know, if you're so uh, smart, why don't you have a lot of money or... Uh, why aren't your relationships working out for you? Or why are you single? Or why you don't get along with your family? All of this type of stuff like this, right? And they're trying to make it seem like you're the common denominator instead of looking at the fact that there must be something going on with the people. You understand? So this is interesting that he said that, that it was going over his head because um, I notice it because I have people outright be nasty towards me. Now, you notice he said it's an inadvertent or like a cloaked way of them shitting on you. Right. So when people think because you have money or you have affluence that you're uh, protected from this, you're definitely not. You're receiving poisonous praise. They don't really like you. 
and they could still really, really envy you. And it could be people close to you. It could be your parents, your friends, your your siblings, your cousins, and it could be um, whatever uh, your religion is, Buddhist, your fellow Buddhists, or uh, your fellow, uh, I don't know, Scientologists, whatever you believe in. It could be those people can also give you poisonous praise, okay? Um, depending on where you are on the... Um, what they consider the social ranking, it could be poisonous put downs as well, where me being a single uh, parent, especially a woman, you know, it's just a norm where a lot of people kind of look down on single women. They kind of uh, lift up married women. And it's because, you know, they have the protection or the affiliation with the man. So since there's not really like a man around, you know what I mean? In that type of way, it hasn't been in almost a decade. They feel the need to kind of do these poisonous put downs with me like constantly. And even other fellow women would do that, especially if they're like married and I have affluence and I, I, I'm well taken care of and all this type of things. They feel the need to like flaunt and taunt these type of things to you, um, which is weird. Instead of being grateful, those are also signs of envy. When people say, well, nobody that has more than you is envy is not envious. You. That's not the truth at all. At all, there's people that can have way more than you and they can still have envy towards you. Envy does not discriminate against financial uh, class, against social class, against race, racial, what your race is. It doesn't discriminate. If you allow that to fester within your heart without correcting it and going to get therapy, you're just going to be displaying envy towards anybody who you feel has something that you believe you deserve because it puts you in that mind frame of, no, well, you don't deserve that I do. Right. So you're like judging the person, but then you don't want to be judged. So it's making you a hypocrite as well. You know what I mean? And it can be really vicious, really malicious. OK, we're also going to talk about that as well. Um, so we're talking about envy right now, which I've experienced a lot of. And it's very uncomfortable. I don't even like poisonous praise either, which is why I don't talk to a lot of people. The people I speak to, I talk very cordially. And then that's basically it. Most writers are like that anyway. You'll see most writers kind of just like to write and they'll have like a close friend or whatever. And then it's a pet or something like that and, and keep it moving. You know, it's contentment in that and it's peace in that um, because the majority of the time you're going to uh, receive either poisonous put downs or poisonous praise. And I don't like either because they're both, you know, they're shitting on you, which is very odd. It's not a, a kind thing to do. You know what I mean? It's a very ugly way and um, savage way, which we've made that popular. Like, I'm a savage. Ah, I'm a Viking. Like, I just do anything, that type of thing. And when you have the majority of people believing that that's how you're supposed to conduct yourself, even though that's actually a law that says mis disorderly conduct, they made disorderly conduct beautiful. It's wonderful to act like this because I'm keeping it real. Right. And it's, they'll keep it real other than saying, I really envy you. I'm really, really envious of you. I believe what you have. I'm supposed to have it. Right. You have a natural ability, but I'm supposed to have the natural ability. OK. And then you'll really get off into a lot of this mocking, copying thing. Um, and that's also signs of envy. The, everybody that kind of tried to do what you're doing is not inspired. They can be envious. OK. And it's really, really potent nowadays. OK, I've experienced it. I'm telling you from friends, family, business, all I mean, all around the board. And it's not a comfortable thing. Most people who desire to be seen and, you know, I want to be a celebrity. And most celebrities started out not trying to be a celebrity. They started out because they was doing something they really, really liked and were good at. And they became known for that. But you have now it's a celebrity. So uh, what is the name? Of, what is it? What's the name of the reality TV? 
reality TV based, you know, everybody's taking pictures for the grand, like, this type of thing. And it's creating a celebrity culture, you know what I mean? And it's, so it's kind of having people with this, they're competing with you for everything. They'll compete with you in motherhood, which is weird. Like what? You can't even share. They'll compete with you in relationships. That's the biggest thing. Now, you can't have girlfriends where you actually really share or get advice or have them pray for you or cry with you. They're secretly happy if you're being misused because they feel like you deserve it because they're envious of how you look. Mm, thought you were so cute. You can't even get a man to treat you right. I've heard, I've heard that. Mm, thought you were so smart. You ain't even got no money. And they're not even looking at the fact that you might have several children. You're the only person that's doing it. You understand? So it, actually, the more envious they get, the less empathy they have. They won't have any empathy for you at all. Empathy, not sympathy, pitying you like, oh, my God. Like, no. Okay. Because the majority of people that are kind of making it happen are not really like sympathize or, you know, throwing pity parties anyway. They'll call you one in support, which they'll have thousands of support. They'll call you having a pity party. It's the less of empathy. The less empathy they show you, that means they can understand. They try to put themselves in your shoes. They don't care to do that. They like uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Who cares? This is how it is. We're trying to see what you're made of. And that's another thing. People who are envious of you feel the need to hold your foot to the fire to see if you can handle the heat. And it's not even their place to do that. And actually, the weird thing is nobody probably like say if you're trying to start up a business and they might have their story might be. I started up a business with with six people and it was just me and those six people. And look at where we are now. Right. And they may have a few of those those original team members because it takes a team to build a dream right you they have a few of those original team members that have been there through the testimony through the trials and the tribulations and they're still there that's something to be proud of that's a great bond it's a great business you're doing the thing now those same people who had to build it from who had to get it out the mud would then turn around and see the same semblance of those characteristics in you it could be in the same industry or another one and they would want to call themselves putting your foot to the fire in the beginning stages of something and not having you have the same amount of support just so they can see that you fail, which is weird because you succeeded, but it took a dream team to help you succeed. See what I mean? That's envy. So that's actually, those are people that have more than you that have levels of success that could still not want you to have any. It's a crab in a bucket syndrome. I made it up here to the top of the bucket, but now you get on. Boom. Let's see if you could climb. I had to climb and they'll kind of take out, maliciously and viciously all of the trials and tribulations that they had to go through that you had nothing to do with you know what i mean you didn't have they didn't have to prove their worth and their and their uh stick to itness to you so why do they feel the need that you have to do that with them so you'll be that that's a sign of envy if they it's different if it's like a boss and they want to you know show me what you're made of i understand that guys come on like we understand or if you're trying to get on the team you know, you got to, you know, beat out the competition. You know, competition is needed in certain areas. And then also proving yourself is needed in certain areas. But in regular everyday life, like if you have a family that feel like you have to prove to me that you deserve to have us as a support. Like, oh, hell no, that's not family. Or friends is like, well, you have to prove. I don't have to prove a damn thing. I don't have to prove a damn thing. You're envious. Because here's the other thing. You'll see them not put people in other areas of their lives through those same little weird tests. It's envy. They want to waste your time. They want to humiliate you. They want to embarrass you. Okay. They, you heard the man say they want to discredit you. Now, nobody was probably going around to discredit them. And if they were, it wasn't you. So it's like they're taking out misdirected anger 
that they should have been fighting people that was actually fighting them and they're fighting someone that's just trying to live their life and do their thing. It's misdirected anger. You understand? And that misdirected anger could come from them being envious. All right. So we have to be aware of these things. We can't walk around like everybody likes me. And when people are giving you praise, all praise ain't no good praise. People be praising you have a knife in their hand behind their back ready to stab as soon as you turn around. They do it. I've had people do it in my face. They just stab me in the back in the front. Just bam. There you go. What you going to do about it? You understand? And then they will deny your reality by gaslighting you viciously. That never happened. I never said that. You can have a picture. I'm like, see, you said this right here. Never did that. Never said that. You're ridiculous. You need help. You understand? You need you need to go to therapy. See, those are envious people. Those people who love you and that want to support you and have empathy for you are going to support the reality of you. Not there. Like you said, you heard him said the imagine they're not going to backbite about you. You know, where they make oh, like he said, gossipy. They're not going to do that. So those are people that are envious of you. So we're actually surrounded by more envious people than what we think. And they're not safe people to be around because they'll do anything to try to make themselves feel like they have they have something of yours that they think they deserve and you don't. Okay, so let's watch out for the envious. All right. Those were four major signs that someone is envious of you. And that's by Robert Greene. That's in the book Human Nature. You can go read these books. This is nothing new that I'm making up, you know. Or that I'm just like bringing up normally on the podcast of last year and the year before, I would speak a lot about my own experiences and I would bring, I would like read some, uh, you know, um, authors that I really enjoy. But I'm going to be bringing on more people that are like, you know, because people are all about numbers. They have huge views, millions of dollars, uh, a well study, been doing this for 20 plus years. These are people I'm bringing to you that are saying the same things that I've been saying. So I'm not making this up or, or uh, uh, groundbreaking anything. I don't steal intellectual property. I bask in it. I enjoy it. I know it's old school and it's not, they don't do that no more, but I really love other people's intellectual property and I really, really, really respect their intellectual prowess and their ability to understand and to dissect things and then also do the work. Like they didn't went to school all of these. You know how hard it is to go to school with life and stuff happening to get degreed and then also to pass their exams to get licensed. And then also to work in those fields with different myriad of people for years and years and years. So they have, they're, they're, they're like a plethora of wisdom and knowledge that should be respected. And when they, and when, they, when they put forth intellectual property, this is out of somebody's blood, sweat, and tears that you should respect. So that's what I put out in the universe. If anyone takes my intellectual property and they feel like you don't deserve those thoughts, those are my thoughts, good, good luck to you. Because you, you didn't go through what I went through in order to under. Uh, un, under in order to understand those things. So I believe in showing honor. So we're going to be honoring as well as putting people before you that have more than I have in certain, in, in certain areas that are well studied. Okay. That are basically saying the same similar things that I'm saying, but in a much, much better and a more depth way. Okay. Other authors, cause I'm an author, I'm a writer. I've self published 17 books, right? So I've, I've received poisonous put downs that I never uh, finished anything. That's a lie. It's a lie. Have you written 17 books? No. Okay. Well, that's, that's a fin. I'm a finisher. You understand? So these, we're going to be combating these poisonous put downs and also as well as these poisonous praises, because I prefer not to speak to people that, that communicate like that. I'm, I just don't have nothing to say to you. So I'm not anyone's opposition. That means I'm opposed to you. I'm not opposed to you. I don't give a damn about anything that you're doing because it's none of my business. It has nothing to do with me. 
I'm not like, I'm your enemy. Like, no, I'm not your enemy. People will make themselves your enemy and your opposition. So they'll be antagonistic and opposing to anything that you say or do. So we're going to be putting forth other people that are well more studied and have way more money than them, more influence and more intellectual prowess. And let's see if you're combating anything. You're combating someone that actually is higher than you in certain areas. So that shows a level of arrogance. You should be grateful and humble and kind of heed the knowledge, hold yourself accountable and kind of turn where you're supposed to and then look within. OK. All right. So I'm not the ops. All right. <laughs> I'm not nobody's op. I'm all about understanding ourselves here. And then gravitating and being with the people that understand you. Everybody deserves that, including me, whether you like me or not. It's pretty much all the time. A small jabbing comment, a joke at our expense amidst a group of old friends, a line of sarcasm, a sneering assessment, a provocative comment on the Internet. These things hurt a lot, more than we're ever allowed to really admit. In the privacy of our minds, we search for explanations. But anything satisfying and soothing is usually hard to come by. We're just left to puzzle at the casual inhumanity that circulates all around us and suspect that perhaps it's we who are somewhere deep down to blame for falling victim to it. Here is what we should actually think, a truth as basic as it is inviolable. Other people have been nasty because they are in pain. The only reason they have hurt us is because they are somewhere deep inside hurting themselves. They have been catty and derogatory and foul because they are not well. However outwardly confident they may look, however virile and robust they may appear, their actions are all the evidence we need that they cannot in truth be in a good place. No one solid would ever need to do this. The thought is empowering because nastiness so readily humiliates and reduces us. It turns us into the small damaged party. Without meaning to, we begin to imagine our bully as potent and even somehow impressive. Their vindictiveness demeans us. But the psychological explanation of evil at once reverses the power dynamic. It's you who has no need to belittle, who is in fact the larger, steelier, more forceful party. You who feels so defenseless, who is all along actually in power. The thought restores justice. It promises that the guilty party has, after all, been punished along the way. You might not have been able to right the scales personally. They left the room already or kept the conversation flowing too fast for you to protest. And in any case, you're not the sort to make a fuss. But a kind of punishment has been delivered cosmically already somewhere behind the scenes. Their suffering, of which their need to inflict suffering on others is simply incontrovertible evidence, is all you need to know that they have been served their just deserts. You move from being a victim of crime to being an audience to an abstract form of justice. They may not be apologizing to you, but they haven't escaped freely either. Their sulfur is proof they are paying a heavy price. This isn't merely a pleasant story. A person who feels at ease with themselves can have no need to distress others. We don't have the energy to be cruel unless and until we are in inner torment. Along the way, the theory gives hints at how we might, when we've recovered from the blow, deal with those who dealt it. The temptation is to get stern and cruel back. But the only way to diminish the vicious cycle of hate is, of course, to address its origins, which lie in suffering. There is no point punching back.
We must, as the old prophets always told us, learn to look upon our enemies with sorrow, pity, and, when we can manage it, a forgiving kind of love. All right, did you guys hear that? Okay, so that's what I'm trying to practice now. Um, I've done all of the, you know, with my family. I mean, I did that for years. You hear me? I got very good at it as well. Okay, especially I was teasing stuff as a child, so I, I got very good at that. I don't really care to do that anymore. I mean, you know, we can cuss out and holler and stuff. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm tired. I don't got no time. <laughs> I have no time for that. Okay, so now what we're going to be doing is we're just going to be taking a clinical approach to it. Just kind of trying to study it because you can study stuff in other people and learn about yourself as well. So just kind of study it. And we're not obsessing over it. Just study it. Kind of think about it. Okay. Well, that's what it, we, we kind of pinpoint what it is and then release it. There's there's nothing as far as like, I have revenge and stuff. No, you can't get revenge. Nobody's going to be doing that. That's how they operate. I'm not going to operate out like that. They get revenge on you for vendettas that are made up. That like for they take mountains and make mountains out of mohills, some real small and they'll blow. Oh my God. Like that type of thing. So I just don't have any time for that. Um, those, these are basically different avenues of maliciousness. You know, somebody being envy, they malicious, somebody being nasty towards you. So we have to be aware of this. Okay. Now to balance this out, we don't want to just ruminate on this, but I wanted to bring these beautiful, beautiful, um, wonderful uh, videos to you guys these wonderful authors and psychologists we're also going to do just a little bit of affirmations if you're not really into like uh, meditation or anything um that's fine you know what i mean that's fine uh but that's what we're going to do next just to follow it up okay to have a beautiful uh thought process after learning some of these um things or maybe reiterating some of these things maybe you already know these things but it's good to know that somebody else notices them okay and you know who else notices these things therapists OK, they can clearly tell you like, no, this is what that is. It's good to name things. You know what I mean? You want to name things like, no, that's envy. That's not advice. You know what I'm saying? Or no, that's poisonous praise. You don't you're not really supporting me this way. You can know how to kind of move. So let's go ahead and do some meditation in one moment. All right, citizens, my name is Courtney and I'm a brain education instructor. Today, I want to show you a 10 minute routine for breaking trauma bonds. Trauma bonds generally refer to a relationship that involves emotional neglect, abuse, abandonment, controlling dynamics, or boundary issues. We're going to use an energy healing technique called cord cutting. Cord cutting is a visualization practice to help cut yourself from draining or unhealthy dynamics within your relationships. Freeing you from codependent emotional patterns of behavior can also help you recover your energy, reestablish healthy boundaries, and improve your overall well-being. These cords form when we need a certain kind of energy that we're currently unable to provide for ourselves. You can have energetic cords to your family, partners, friends, pets, even people you've met briefly or don't know personally. Cord cutting meditation isn't just for people who are no longer in your life. In fact, many of these energetic cords likely lead to people who you care for very deeply. Depending on your situation, you may not have to cut this person out of your life. Instead, you can practice cutting the energetic cord that transmits negative energy. Before we begin, please sit comfortably either on the floor or in a chair and tap your chest with open hands. Inhale through your nose and exhale out slowly. This is helping us release physical tension and stress from the chest, but also helping bring the mind into the present moment 
for our meditation. Inhale through your nose and exhale slowly out your mouth. Now use the palm side of your fist and tap gently between your rib cage. Generally, energetic cords will be connected from one person's chakra to another person's. Connections can form between any of your chakras, but since the third represents your sense of self, many are attached here. So that's where we're going to focus today. Take a deep breath in your nose, exhaling slowly out your mouth. Guiding your mind to feel that area of your body. You may notice some tenderness here. Try exhaling with a low sound. The sound helps increase the vibration and release the tension. You can also think of this as loosening the root to your energetic cord. with your pinky side fist into your lower abdomen beneath your navel, your second chakra. This is helping us become grounded and centered and quiet our thinking so that we can more clearly focus on our cord cutting visualization. Inhale through your nose. Exhale slowly out your mouth. Guide your mind to feel where you're tapping. you can rest your palms down, push your lower back forward slightly, and engage the muscles of your lower abdomen. Now slightly lift your chest, rolling your shoulders back and down. Then take another deep breath in your nose. Exhale slowly. Really try to lengthen your exhale. Inhale comfortably. And exhale long. Good breathing should be deep, slow, and quiet. Feel the breath enter your body and exit your body. Lastly, press on the very top of your head with either your fingertips or nails to help open your seventh chakra. where you're pressing, inhale, and exhale. Release where you're holding. Keep focusing there. When you inhale, imagine energy coming down to the top of your head. And when you exhale, energy sinking down to your core. Each inhale, feel the very top of your head. Exhale, sink down to your core. And take a moment to remind yourself that you are safe and you are protected throughout this meditation. Staying focused on your breathing, you can now visualize the person that you'd like to perform cord cutting meditation with. See them seated about 10 feet in front of you. And don't be surprised if any emotions surface. 
there's a reason that you chose this person. Just do your best to observe yourself without judgment. You may even want to imagine saying a few words to that person to help you express any frustration or pain. Visualize a three to five inch energetic cord or rope coming out from your third chakra, solar plexus. Follow it in your mind's eye out to your partner's solar plexus. Even though this is a cord cutting meditation, we actually don't want to cut. We don't want to leave remnants of unwanted energy within the body. So either with your energetic hands or with your physical hands, imagine pulling this cord out of your solar plexus slowly. Being mindful not to rip any of the fibers or roots of the cord. Then rest your arms down and as that energy completely exits your body, Visualize a beam of white light coming down to your seventh chakra through your spine, filling your third chakra with a pure healing light. That energy sinks down to your lower abdomen and through the base of your body. Keep visualizing as if you are plugged into a pure source of light. down to the top of your head, through your body, to the earth. Now you can imagine pulling the cord out of your partner's body slowly taking any small fibers with you as if to pull a weed out from its roots. You can do this in your mind or with your physical hands. And when the cord is completely out of your partner's body, immediately visualize a stream of light coming down to their seventh chakra, through their chest and into their solar plexus, flowing down to their lower abdomen and the base of their body. Reconnect them to a source of pure light. Now envision both of your bodies filled with bright light and the detached cord between you can dissolve into billions of particles of light as recycled energy. any pain or emptiness here you can keep visualizing white light coming down or even rub or sweep that area of your body hold a very caring mind towards yourself and taking a deep breath in and out mind coming back to your physical body. You can rotate from your waist, feel your sit bones, your 
back and spine. The opposite way. Inhale through your nose and exhale out. From the center, straighten your spine. Once more, breathing into the seventh chakra. Breathing out all the way down to your second. Take a deep breath into your second chakra and relax. How was it? Depending on the depth of your relationship, you may have to do this many times. In my experience, it's best after a conflict or when you feel triggered by the other person. You might find a sense of release, some peace of mind, and with regular practice, your inner strength and power will grow. Thank you so much for meditating with me today. If you want to experience a full one hour of brain education, find a body and brain center near you. See you next time.